Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. I hope you'll excuse this change in our intro music today. Of course, it's the music for the King's Entrance at Westminster Abbey for the coronation on Saturday. And the reason I played it, the great anthem, Hubert Parry's I Was Glad, is, well, partly because it's incredibly rousing, to me anyway, and also because, actually, it's both mine and my late father's favourite piece of music. He was actually in the choir with William Lloyd Webber, Andrew's father, as the organist and choir master way back. And so he always imbued in me a, a sort of love of choral music and organ music and so on. I actually learned to play the organ, the church organ, and played a few a few years in a, in a church many years ago as well. So, I don't know, I just found that an incredibly uplifting piece of music to play in this morning on a, a rather grisly Monday morning. Uh, the bleary-eyedness uh, of, of me and probably a few of my friends around here as a result of a very late street party last night uh, so we've had actually a, a good weekend but cricket wise a funny weekend really lots of draws in the county championship and an, an interesting sort of controversial statement by my friend and the owner of the Rajasthan Royals Manoj Badali on the Tailenders podcast all about test cricket and its future and the fact that it might just become a sort of isolated moment in the calendar is that how you you saw it Simon? 
Well, it, it probably needed a bit more uh, flesh on the bones, but I think it's something that we've talked about before, isn't it? And I think it's something that Manoj has intimated on our podcast. If you go back to some of our uh, back episodes, we've had Manoj on talking about you know, the issue of Test cricket and how relevant it's going to be in the future. I mean, we, we all know that, that Manoj loves the Lord's Test match. He goes to the the Lord's Test match. He loves Test cricket, but he also sees the reality of where the game is going. And he was talking on, on Tailenders about, you know, the, the, the 10 to 15 year olds now, say in India, who are watching the game of cricket, who perhaps don't have that much affinity with Test cricket and see T20 the whole time. And, and, and that's where their interest, that's where their enthusiasm is. And you, and you can see the way the game's going financially as well, where the players are going to be drawn into more and more T20 matches. That's where the money is going to be. And is there going to be the money for the various cricket boards around the world to stage Test match cricket? You know, it's a it's a familiar theme, isn't it? And I think what Manoj was saying is that in the future, it might well be that there's a, a small window for Test cricket and uh, you know a Lord's Test or a series of matches at Lord's in the English summer might be that you know one of the the few focus for Test match cricket. So he's not talking about you know next summer, I don't think, but sometime in the future you can you can perhaps see where the game is going yeah i mean i i wrote a book with manage actually uh, a couple of years ago some of you may have seen it uh, it's called a new innings how the ipl's reinvention of cricket provides lessons for the business of sport and it's very much a, an interview with, with between manage and our conversation i suppose about what the ipl represents how it's been so successful what it means for the rest of the world game and and there's a lot of kind of in, uh, positive stuff about the future of test cricket. I mean, I've put in here a paragraph, actually, uh, about the future of test cricket. This was written, admittedly, a couple of years ago, where I say, basically, test cricket costs about £40 million a year for the England team to, to operate. It's logical to assume by say, that by, say, 2030, only England, Australia, India, South Africa and possibly New Zealand countries with populous middle classes, which means people who can easily attend matches which go on all day, will be prepared to spend large sums on maintaining a test team. Test cricket will become a little bit like rugby. This is my my idea, probably slightly mad. Test cricket will become, uh, become a little bit like rugby with England, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand and India competing in five test series for a biennial trophy. Maybe we call it the Five Nations. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's slightly sort of speculative, obviously. But I think, I think, I, I, I think, just going back to the matter, you know, he is passionate about Test cricket. Actually, he's a, he's a money man. He wants to to see the things he's invested in be successful, and that one of those things is the Radisson Royals. But he also does care about the future of Test cricket, and you know, he's taken under his wing recently this young player we we mentioned on the podcast the last time, Yasajvi Jaiswal, the opening batsman for the Radisson Royals, a young player, twenty one, was leading the, the run scoring recently, scored his first hundred, came from a fairly poorish background in northeast India and doing incredibly well in the IPL, but he wants to play test cricket and Manoj and, and his sort of entourage will be encouraging him to do that. Can they have, will they have test cricket to play? I think they will because I think a lot of players, a lot of the top players still want to play test cricket. They still see it as the pinnacle of the game and, and also the way that we stage our tests are are special. Most of the test matches we, we, we have are pretty much sold out, certainly down in the south. You know, people want to go to it. I think that, you know, maybe to make a bit more of an event of a test, you know, like almost like a kind of, well, he this is what Manor said, almost like a sort of Wimbledon 
festival of the game, Wimbledon tennis. You know, where you, you you sort of almost do a two-week extravaganza around the Lords Test, where you have build-up events and perhaps a, a, you know a supplementary match, maybe an Ireland against England as a warm-up to the main Test match or something. But I think that there is a future for it, but it it might just be condensed into some of the smaller areas of the, of the season. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think that's what he's saying. I think that's what I think some people fear. It's what some people want, and I, those people are the people who want to stage lots of T Twenty leagues around the world. That you know, basically, they want the players for their leagues, and then perhaps a window for international cricket, as we have with football. And it's not impossible to see that happening in the future. I mean, you you were talking there a couple of years ago in your book about the potential for South Africa being one of those Test playing nations. Well, perhaps. Not necessarily. You, you might find actually it's more likely to be well, New Zealand possibly, but in England, Australia, and India definitely, and, and perhaps Pakistan as well. Uh, but that, that there is a there there will be a, a crunch time in the future when T Twenty leagues start giving players year round contracts or two three year contracts, as we we've been talking about recently on the podcast. It does feel as if this this whole sort of bandwagon is is rushing down the hill a, a, a very big pace doesn't it and it needs some some wisdom um and some foresight to try to work out what the best way forward is for cricket but you know at the moment it's a bit wild westish isn't it everyone wants their their slice and everyone's got their opinion of course they have and there are people like you and I who love uh, test cricket and we want that to continue but you also see the the power of market forces as well uh it's and also new players potentially coming into the the market and we, you know there you're talking about Saudi Arabia you're talking about the USA this new uh, USA uh, 2020 league which is going to you know it's well financed and it's going to take some players possibly from the English county game in, in the future right Yoz, enough of that we've talked quite a bit about it uh, recently i've got a question for you what do Harry Brook, Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root and Ben Folks all have in common over this weekend. And we're talking on uh, Monday, May the 8th, the bank holiday. What have, what have they got in common over the weekend? I'm thinking, you know, with the ashes coming up as well. Well, I don't know, but I would, I know that of, of the two that I sort of saw the results of, I know Johnny Bairstow got a duck and Joe Root didn't bat in his first game for the Rajasthan Royals. So I don't know if there's a connection there. Yeah, you're on the right lines. So over the weekend, none of them scored a single run. And there are reasons for that. Bairstow out for naught, folks out for naught in the county championship. Joe Root played at last for the Rajasthan Royals, but he didn't bat because they were only two down. Harry Brooks been in such poor form for Sunrisers Hyderabad that he was dropped. So Glenn Phillips came in for him and made an instant impact, hit three successive sixes and produced or helped produce for the Sunrisers one of the most dramatic victories in this season's IPL. And then there's Ben Stokes, who hasn't played a game for about five weeks and is not playing any cricket. So he he can't score any runs at the moment because he's not getting in the team. So you've got five players there who might reasonably uh, be in England's uh, test team for Ireland, whatever the ashes, and they had a weekend where none of them, for various reasons, scored a single run. Meanwhile, Manus Labashain reeled off 170 uh, for Glamorgan on actually what turned out to be quite a flat pitch, didn't it, Yoz, uh, at Headingley. And, and Steve Smith 
uh, made 30 in his first match and his only innings. So that, that was that was very canny, wasn't it, to restrict him to only one innings at, at Worcester in terms of his Ashes preparation. I'm not sure he was out. Was he? Was he Oz? Josh Tung? That was that out. We've seen it quite a few times. You know, the, the clips are out there on social media. Was it a bit high, a bit leg sideish? Yeah, I tried to stop the footage and didn't successfully do it. I wanted to stop it on impact. It did look a little bit marginal, actually. I think it would certainly be one of those where you would have undoubtedly asked for a review. And it was quite interesting to see Smith kind of, there was just half a nanosecond in which he thought, oh, I could review that. And then he realised it's a county championship and he can't. So he had to just go off. Uh, he would have definitely reviewed it. Um, uh, anyway, I mean, he had a bit of first game, uh, Worcestershire, you know, maybe those little sort of fast medium bowlers are the, are the kind of bowlers to bowl at him, actually. And later in the show, we've got uh, an interview with Tim Murta, actually, talking of, you know, little medium pacers who are very useful at this time of year in county cricket. Of course, he saw off Zach Crawley in, in the match against Kent that Middlesex won a week or so ago. So we've got to chat with him, actually, about you know, things like county cricket, how he feels about it now, how he feels it's pro, what he feels about its profile, etc. So, yeah, an interesting, uh, an interesting weekend. I mean, that going back to that, Rajasthan Royals game. I mean, it was an extraordinary finish, wasn't it? Where the Sunrisers Hyderabad needed 17 off the last over with a couple of batters just starting to get their eye in. But you still think 17, you still think the bowlers going to win probably 70% of those games, maybe 50% anyway. And, and actually, Sandeep Sharma did a damn good job, didn't he? With five to win off the last, he was hit for a six, but... With five to win off the last, he bowled the perfect Yorker and the, the batter, Samad, sort of dug it out and it went not very far and they celebrated a win. And then you were on commentary. So so what happened then? Well, Butler took the catch at, at long off. Yeah, he plinked it out to long off, uh, Samad. Rajasthan Royals uh, celebrated. So it's the first, I think it was the first time I've ever seen um, one side celebrate one ball for, for winning the game and then the other side celebrate the next ball for winning a game. So they were, the Rajasthan Royals were celebrating and then the hooter went off for no ball and so Sandeep Sharma had to bowl it again and Samed hoofed it down the ground for six and suddenly it was the, the Sunrisers who were celebrating. Um, they all say, don't they, when you bowl that last ball, do not overstep the line. Uh, and but Sandeep Sharma, it was it was a quite a big no ball, relatively speaking. Anyway, he was he was well over the line. It was one of those that if we did, if we didn't have technology, the standing umpire could have called uh, quite clearly. Uh, but you, you know you've bowled last balls in in matches, yours. And what what what's your what's your mindset? Are you thinking don't overstep, don't overstep in that in that situation? Is that the is that the thing that's sort of first in your mind before you're actually thinking about getting the ball right? That's a good question. I think when you're bowling the last over, you will have bowled some overs before. And generally, you know, the first couple of balls of a, of a, of a spell or an over or whatever, are the time you, you get your run up right. So by the time you're getting to the end of an over, and especially in a critical situation like this, last ball of a match, you're not thinking about no balls at all. You're thinking, I must get the ball exactly where I'm aiming it. I, you know, I want to bowl the wide Yorker or whatever. So I don't think you're thinking about a no ball. Of course, you know, the, the extra tension and adrenaline that is running through your veins can just cause you to 
overstride very slightly, maybe rush it very slightly, and that can cause that minute overstepping. I mean, obviously, the key to any fast bowler is to make sure you're not too close to the line in general, to make sure that, and, and I'm, you know, this sounds like a sort of, um, you know, I, I was a real guilty uh, person for, for no balling early in my career, but I figured out a way of making sure I didn't in my last few years. And the, the, the key to it is to make sure that you, maybe your only your toe is the only thing touching the line and you're not heel on the line, which means that if your heel's on the line consistently, then just a slight bit of misstriding can cause you to overstep. So that's a risk you shouldn't really take. But clearly, Sandeep Sharma is one of those bowlers who is a little bit close to the line. But it's not something you're thinking about, definitely, for the last ball. And it's a horrible shock. It, well, it would have been a horrible shock. You know, it's ecstasy and agony in the space of 20 seconds, isn't it? And then, of course, you think, well, at least I've got another chance here. I can make amends by bowling another really good ball. And he just didn't quite get it right. And then, of course, that you know, when you've been no-balled, then that is in your mind. And then you might sort of be a bit sl slower in your approach to the crease, just make sure you don't know ball again. And that can affect what, what comes out the other end. So, um, well, really, really sad for, for, for the bowler, actually. I mean, it's horrible pressure having to deal with that. And then for it to go wrong, your heart just sinks and you know it's your fault. You can't really blame anybody else. Um, but, I mean, it, of course, it's, it's a classic at the moment, the IPL. So many of these games are going to the last ball, which is what makes it so successful. It's it's almost a circus, isn't it? And, you know, people absolutely love it that it's these matches are going to the last ball. And one thing that's happened is that, you know, we've got to the stage now where everyone is beating everybody and the the league is incredibly tight. And some people are saying, well, that makes it just seem really random. It it, it, it detracts from it. Actually, you know, you're used to something like the Premier League where you have elite teams who are, you know, who are really dominant, say someone like Manchester City and Arsenal to some extent this season and, you know, previous seasons it might be Liverpool and Manchester City. But actually the IPL is incredibly, the, the standard is quite even. and But that's what the, the, the auction is designed to do, isn't it? That It's to try to have that unpredictability. And we'd go back to Manoj, he's talked about that a lot in the past. We, we, he, he says that the Premier League is actually quite uncompetitive. And actually the IPL is far more competitive because it has that evenness of standard and you can have a, an auction which, which changes the team and stops all dynasties being built over time. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, all sport, certainly professional sport, I mean, anyway, this is how I see it, is part of the entertainment uh, world, really. And and I think this is what, I mean, interestingly, I, I did an interview with Stuart Broad the other day and making this 10-part series about the Ashes, and I did a long interview with Stuart Broad, and he was just talk, talking about the influence of, you know, McCullum and Stokes in the England side and how... They've reinforced the idea in the team that cricket, test cricket, what any any cricket is entertainment is primarily entertaining, a part of the entertainment world, and to ensure that they you know that's their priority, they've kind of got that message through. And he said, as a result, you've got no fear of failure as long as we feel we're being entertaining. I mean, it, you know, it's a little bit. Uh, I suppose, simplistic to say, to sort of boil all sport down to just pure entertainment. There has to be some quality there. There has to be some, uh, like, objective to win. It's not all about just demonstration and, and ostentation. 
You know, there needs to be some kind of narrative to to try and win a game. But I can see that just by changing your mindset slightly to see yourself as part of the entertainment world can actually free you up to express yourself and not worry so much about the result. And, and in a way, the IPL is the ultimate extension of that. Well, you talk about entertainment there and Stuart Broad, but I couldn't help noticing yours that his innings yesterday, three not out of 50 balls. So actually when push comes to shove and you're trying to save a game, it's not all about playing attacking cricket, is it? It's about playing the moment. And that was, that was you know great to see. It's not about going out there and thrashing it everywhere. And it, it just shows as well. I mean, we, we all know it, don't we? Nine, nine down draw can be just as exciting as a, you know, a 350 run chase in a, in a first class or test match. Anyway, it's good to, good to see Stuart buckling down and, and blocking it out yesterday. And Ollie, Ollie Stone at the other end as well, uh, surviving, although slight concern for him with a hamstring injury. And Ollie Robinson, excellent against Worcestershire at, at Worcester, taking you know, a whole bundle of wickets in the match. But he, he limped off as well. But it seems that the good news there is that that was cramp uh, rather than a, I don't know, a leg injury or a hamstring problem. Because, I mean, he is going to be, it seems to me, Robinson's such a key bowler when, it, when the Ashes come round. Mm, absolutely. Of course, Stuart Broad was three not out for Nottinghamshire. He's not going to let his mate uh, Jimmy's team win, is he? I mean, no. they are mates, they are partners in crime, but they're also opponents in this case and ultimate competitors. And they, they want the bragging rights. Uh, so if Lancashire, Jimmy's Lancashire had done over the, the not side with Broad, it would be... He'd be, you know, kind of taking the mickey out of him now for the next couple of weeks. Actually, I, I mean, fascinating pair they are, you know. I, again, sort of going back to the to the broad interview, which will be on on release in about that sounds like a prison sentence, doesn't it? Uh, it will be the the podcast series about the Ashes will be out in about two or three weeks' time. But just listening to Broad talking about the, his relationship with Anderson was fascinating, actually. That they sound like two scientists. Because they're just out there assessing conditions, watching the pitch behaviour, watching the batsman's behaviour, watching the ball's behaviour, looking at the cloud conditions, exchanging information with each other constantly on the field when they're playing for England. And, you know, extrapolating any kind of tiny bit of information about where they should be bowling. It, like two scientists examining the, the situation, the surface, researching and, and coming up with a solution. So, uh, well, good luck to them both. Um, I hope they get through the next couple of weeks and are ready to go for England. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No okay, let's turn to Tim Murta now, who played in the Ireland England Test match in 2019. Had a, a great day out. He also had a great day out recently when he took his 1,000th wicket. For Middlesex, he's in his early forties now, but he, he's still getting them out. He's, he's on the coaching staff uh, at Middlesex. But he, he, what he did do was get a close look at two of the players who will be, one would imagine, in the England squad for the Ashes series. That's Stuart Broad, of course, he will be, and Zach Crawley. We'll, we'll talk about Stuart Broad in a moment because Stuart was talking after that game about how he's developed an outswinger for Steve Smith and, and Manus Labuschagne. Zach Crawley has had that, well, in and out sort of form because he's probably that sort of player. But, but Tim Murta, yours got him out twice in the same game. Yeah, and, and he's a nightmare for a, for an opening batter, I think, early season. Tim Murta, it's amazing. Just that sort of nagging pace around about 76 miles an hour, which you know, for a lot of club players would be brisk. But for county players, it's you know, in fairly nondescript pace, but he's just immaculate in his length and line. And like a lot of current bowlers, he's really looking to knit the ball back to a right-hander rather than away. You know, the old ball will, will swing away. And, you know, interestingly, you know, he's admitted to me, he admitted to me in that interview, actually, that mm. he doesn't really know where it's going. I mean, in terms of when it moves off the pitch, obviously he knows where it's going when it sets off its path. But when it pitches, he's not sure which way it's going to move. And he said, actually, that his seam release isn't as good as some bowlers. And the ball does come down, sort of wobbling a little bit, oscillating a little bit down the wicket. And then it, it pitches and it can jag one way or the other. And, you know, his philosophy is if he doesn't know kind of which way it's going, then obviously the batsman hasn't got a clue. And it because it pitches so close to him, he hasn't got any time to adjust because he's looking to, to pitch it up fairly full. I guess he will thank the manufacturers of Dukes over the years because... That ball is an absolute gem for early season fast bowlers, except last year where the, 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 the Dukes weren't as good as normal. But generally, with that lovely seam and shiny high polish on them, they do stay in perfect condition for a long time. Lovely to bowl with and not much fun to bat against if you're Zach Crawley. OK, well, let's hear from Tim Murta. We're going to hear him on Stuart Broad's uh, away swinger in just a moment. We're also going to hear him on Scott Boland and how he feels Scott Boland will bowl in English conditions and about county cricket in general. But first, he talked through his two dismissals of Zach Crawley. First one was a nit backer, a perfect one. I bowled a couple of outswingers and then this one nit back up the slope at Lords, you know, Lords, you know, as well as anyone and uh, nit back and hit the top of middle stump, which was pretty satisfying second innings first ball of the innings one kind of jumped I felt a bit sorry for him he got he got two really good balls in the game it was first ball of the innings and it jumped a bit and took the shoulder of the bat and, and nicked off the first slip so you know he'd scored a lot of runs a week before so we, we were pretty glad to see the back of him early twice I, I don't believe you felt sorry for him really I know you <laughs> like to talk about that it, no bowler ever feels sorry for a batsman that I've met. Um, no, true. Was he playing a big drive? He was playing a big drive the first innings, that was for sure. Second innings was the more of a prod, play. to be honest, because yeah. it was first ball. Yeah. But, yeah, he he was a big wicket for us both times because we know if he gets going that he can hurt you. But the way he plays, he's going he's gonna to give you some chances early on equally as well. 
Do you like the fact that, I mean, you, you know, you play with two openers who've, who've had England test caps, um, Sam Robertson and Mark Stoneman. Do you like the way England have decided to go with aggressive opening batsmen like Crawley and, and Duckett? I like it because I enjoy sort of watching it. It's one of those that, as a bowler, you think, can this last forever and can they keep playing that way? And every time I've kind of thought they might come unstuck playing that way, you know, they seem to have found a way and one of them scored some runs or they've they've won matches from positions where you perhaps thought they wouldn't. So I just enjoy the way they're playing at the moment and looking forward to the Ashes this year. If they can keep playing that way, then I think they'll rattle Australia pretty early on and if they win that first test, they you know could go on and and win the fair, uh, series fairly comfortably. But it's, I mean, it's slightly difficult. County cricket's you know a different different game on on different wickets in in April. It's always going to be perhaps a bit harder to play that way. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what the what the test wickets. I know Stokes he wants them as sort of flat and fast as as possible from what he said, isn't it? So. Zach Crawley will probably enjoy those wickets more so than Lords Lords in April. Well, we all like the way England are playing, don't we? It's absolutely brilliant to watch as long as it as long as they kind of win the game in the main, I suppose. Yeah, Tim Murta, I mean, he's impressive, isn't he? He started off actually at Surrey and and then came to Middlesex. A thousand wickets for Middlesex in all competitions, that is. Uh, so you know, a combination of first class and and fifty over and a bit of T twenty. 944 first-class wickets with Surrey and Middlesex combined. I mean, that's outstanding, isn't it? Incredible in this day and age to have got to that amount of wickets. So 56 to go. Middlesex have got, I don't know, 10 games left this year, I think. He probably won't play in all of them because he's it. he tends to be an early and late-season bowler and being 41, probably won't be able to play all 14 games, but maybe he can play eight or nine, say. You've got a chance. It's an outside chance of getting there uh, this year. 1,000 wickets, 1,000 first-class wickets, which we said you know, a couple of years ago, would Jimmy Anderson be the last person to do that? Tim Murta could do that. He's going to need another season after this. But if, if, if this season goes as well as it has so far for him, um, why not have another season and, and get there? It'd be amazing. Yeah, he said he didn't want to hang on, did he, just to get a thousand wickets? Uh, but yeah, it must be tempting. You know, bat, batters like hundreds, don't they? And they like a hundred hundreds, and, and bowlers like a thousand wickets. Okay, let's move on. Um, Stuart Broad, he, he had a look at Zach Crawley. He also had a look at Stuart Broad's um, potential new uh, outswinger. So he was asked about that. He was also asked uh, whether Scott Boland will wreck Basball uh, this summer because you feel that Boland might be a decent bowler in English conditions. So here's Tim Murter on that. First on, on Broad and then on Boland. We played against Broady last week and and you could tell that he's desperately trying to swing the ball away from right-handers, which is something he used to do when he was a lot younger and, um, and, and has perhaps lost that a little bit more from his going around the wicket and trying to get left-handers out and I think lost his wrist a bit. A bit. So he is 100% trying to... I wouldn't call it a mystery ball because an outswing is, you know, not that mysterious. But the well, fact, he, um, he called it a mystery ball, though, didn't he? <laughs> well, I, I think there's probably a bit of Glenn McGrath kidology or, or Shane Warne kidology going on there. But um, 
the, it was noticeable, noticeable that he was he was trying to get the the ball to <coughs> shape away from right-handers, which he actually did quite a lot in the game. So I'd say that is, that is true, but how much mystery there is behind the ball, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got all the attributes to to do well in England, hasn't he? He's kind of tall, strong, not necessarily quick, but it looks like if there's any seam movement, he's he's going to find it. I always think with the Aussies when they come over here, they always feel they need to to bowl a fuller length. And I remember watching people like Hilfenhaus and guys like that who I thought would bowl well in England always struggle because they seem to try to bowl fuller, but almost it'd be too floaty and become too full. So it's it's a different, you know, as a bowler, you're trained. I guess Boland's played, you know, all his cricket in Australia. I don't know how many overseas tours he would have been on, but he would have grown up the whole time bowling, say, probably closer to the eight-metre mark than six-metre mark that you might need to in England. So it'd be interesting to see how he adjusts. But you're right, he's he's got all the attributes to to do well in England. It would just be a case of, you know, if England players brazenly and as, as brave as they has been, then, you know, it'd be up to him to see you know, if he's got a comeback or, or a sort of plan B, obviously. Just one other little thing. Um, just tell us, um, you've been in the game now for 20, you made your debut in 2000, 23 years in first-class cricket. So how has the game changed, do you think? I mean, what do you think of county cricket now? I get a bit sick of every time we lose an Ashes series, county cricket gets absolutely pulled from pillar to post and, you know, suddenly we have to change everything and, there are too many counties and there's too much cricket played and we need to play with a different ball and we need to play different times of the year and we need to do this and that and there's too much. I just, you know, I think it's it's obviously a very unique competition and something that's, you know, quite revered by the by the people who play it. And I just wish, I'm, I don't really care if we play 12, 14, 16. I'd, I'd rather play sort of 14 or even 16 games, to be honest. But let's just stick with it and let's stop kind of changing it. And every season, the bonus points change. And it's it's so complicated for people following to understand. I, I wish we'd just find a formula and, and kind of run with it for, for a while and, and not keep tinkering with it. Because, you know, I, I think, County cricket will always produce some some very good cricketers as it has done throughout the years, and then it's up to the ECB and the powers higher higher up to kind of harness that talent and decide how much county cricket they play or or how they're looked after. But um, you know, all these guys have been have come through county academies or age groups back in the day and come through that system. So yeah, I'm a bit a bit sick and tired of sort of it being pillared every time an Ashes series is lost. And then suddenly the England team are good and county cricket's great again. And the Aussies are using juke balls in their competition. And it's it's all pretty pretty funny. But yeah, I, I just wish that it was given a bit more respect and, and just kind of left alone almost sometimes. And the standard, uh, I mean, I, I've been watching, I was at the uh, Surrey-Hampshire game actually about two weeks ago. Uh, you know the bowling attacks. You know Keemar Roach, Daniel Worrell, and yeah. um, Sean Sean Abbott on one side. Obviously Kyle Abbott, Mohammed Abbas, 
Keith Barker on the other. I mean, blimey, through two international quality attacks there. I mean, it's the standard to me looks pretty good actually. And you know, you you made the point there to the talent coming through. Seventy players from English county cricket played in overseas franchise tournaments. <laughs> So they must be doing something, right? County cricket. You know, there is a difference between Division One and Division Two cricket. We've obviously sort of built up a squad that we feel, hopefully, now is is worthy of of challenging in Division One. And you know, we'll see come the end of the season where we are with that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think some of those games at the high end of Division One are, are, are proper games, and there's there's some proper players playing in it. So. I don't think it's I don't think it's all bad and you know maybe if England lose the ashes then it'll all change again but we'll see there's perhaps not the same kind of level of overseas player that plays the whole season as back in your day maybe at sort of Wackar and yeah. and guys like this would would play whole seasons for the county and that obviously is not possible anymore so look, I I still think that there's enough strength and depth and enough talent for for the them to be some proper games cricket and and i suppose um final thought you're a bowler you know you've got closing on a thousand wickets bats have got bigger so obviously more powerful but i suppose to your relief they haven't got any wider <laughs> it feels like they're pretty wide sometimes to be honest but i mean even then sort of balls that would have landed shorter fielders probably carry to fielders so you end up getting more wickets than you might have done that way but <laughs> you're right the technology of, of bats has changed a lot and you can miss time balls that can can go over the ropes which can be quite infuriating as a bowler now but especially when they bring the boundaries in i don't really see the need for that to be honest yeah it's it's you know it's something i've loved doing for 20 odd years now especially bowling and I'm not sure I could have mentally dealt with being a batsman, and I know bowling's a lot harder, but it's but it's also more rewarding from my point of view. You just sensed Tim Murta's impatience there about the way county cricket is changed, manoeuvred, is often a sort of bit of a political football uh, within cricket. I mean, the one thing I would say about Ashes reviews, and I've, I've said it before, that England. I've been very unsuccessful in Australia and England have been very unsuccessful in India. And it's about, I suppose, if you're trying to produce a test team that's competitive all around the world, what they're trying to do with county cricket is try to make England successful in those sorts of conditions. And that, I suppose, means producing fast bowlers who can go to Australia and put it up them, if you like. And it also means producing spin bowlers who are good enough to go to India and, and win series. And the last time England had two spinners who were capable of doing that was Swan and Panesar. But it's been pretty slim picking since then. And England have been thrashed on recent tours to India. So you, when England lose Ashes series abroad, people don't like it. But it, And, and, and you, you can actually strive to be better. And I think that's what the Strauss review was all about, actually. And there's still a lot of discussion, isn't there, about the, the best structure for the for the English uh, domestic game and the, the, the debate is still there and, and you know one of those things actually is trying to play a bit more county cricket in the in the warmer months in the middle of the summer when you do get presumably quicker pitches and you do get spinning pitches so you know I, I don't think we I don't think we should stop looking at trying to improve our game I think we should always think about that because you know the game sport improves doesn't it everyone you know one team goes to another level or one country goes to another level someone has to try to match them and you can't just stand still and keep it all the same the whole time I don't think although I do take his point that 
it, it can be quite confusing for the general public when there, there is so much chopping and changing the whole time and you're looking to find the right formula. Yeah, I think it's very disruptive and I can totally feel his sort of irritation, frustration that, that counter-cricket is sort of always in flux because of England's fortunes abroad. I mean, actually, if you look at it, Australia haven't won in England since 2001, which is why this this Ashes coming up now is such a, a, a massive series. And India haven't won, you know, too often in, in this country either. So, you know, they, they don't travel to England terribly effectively in the same way as we don't necessarily perform very well in Australia or India. I mean, we won in India in 2012, so that was reasonably recent. Uh, we won in, in, in Australia in 2011, so 10, 11 years ago. I don't think you just upset the apple cart just because you lose abroad. I take your point. You want to improve all the time. You want to progress. But actually, county cricket, if you look at the, the 70 cricketers that Mickey Arthur identified from the English game that have been sought after by franchise leagues around the world during the winter, county cricket is not doing a huge lot wrong, in a way. If the schedule was a bit clearer, um, it, yeah, everyone would be a, a little bit happier. But that's a pipe dream, I suppose, because you've got so much to cram in in such a short space of time. Talking of which, um, I'm cramming in a quick holiday before uh, the start of the, the big matches of the summer in June with Ireland Test Match followed by, of course, the Ashes. But we are continuing these podcasts and actually the next podcast on this feed is going to be our second episode of the women's cricket show, Storylines, with Melissa Story and Nikki Chowdhury. They had an entertaining chat about the state of women's cricket last week and the uh, the various matches going on and one or two kind of quite interesting issues talking to people women who work in the game in other capacities not just players so look out for the second episode of storylines with melissa story and nikki chowdhury later in the week simon you'll be back on ipl duty um, i'll report to you about football from brazil that's all right. Well, have a, have a great holiday, Yoz. Uh, you deserve Fancy taking a holiday in the cricket season. Goodness me. It's always sacrilegious to do that. Anyway, have a great time, Yoz, and we'll speak to you very soon. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.